0: Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you, so send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Today marks the third month of a three month long message series. We've been talking about how our lives have echoes of a hero story, that we aren't the heroes of the story, that we are the ones needing rescue. Jesus rescued us by going to the cross and forgiving our sins, and now that we've been rescued, we have to live differently. One thing that we must do now that we've been rescued is to become rescuers ourselves. We are to serve as witnesses to others about how God saved us. Let's get right into today's message with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. I guess in some ways I do resist growing up. I absolutely love superhero flicks. You guys, my kids and I will snag tickets as soon as they become available. And one of my all-time favorites is Wonder Woman, great flick. And a whole lot of aficionados agree. But Business Insider, believe it or not, the journal Business Insider, apparently businessmen like superhero flicks too, they rate Wonder Woman as the seventh best superhero movie of all time. The Rotten Tomatoes has it at number four. IMDb has it at number three. It's a great flick. Diana, Wonder Woman, is an Amazon warrior. She's also a demigoddess, and she kind of looks like one. She's on a mission to save the world. Eventually, she's surrounded by a band of of misfits. To her right there is Steve Trevor. He's kind of a solid guy. Samir at the end is a liar, a thief, and a con man. Charlie here is a shell-shocked sharpshooter. Say that three times. He has seen too much and he's a broken man. The chief standing next to him is a smuggler who trades with both sides, both the Germans and the allies. Band of misfits. Following her lead, this band of misfits storms the enemy strongholds. They fight from house to house, trying to free an occupied town. They go way behind enemy lines to try to turn the tide of the war. Despite their fears and their inadequacies, they do the stuff of heroes. You know why? Because they follow a hero. And if you follow a hero, you tend to do heroic things. And it struck me how much their story is our story. That's our picture. Of course, that's a movie, a myth, a fairy tale, a fantasy. Ours is real. But if you look around this room, what you're going to see is a bunch of misfits. Following not a (laughs) demigoddess, but the Son of God. Following his lead, we draw on his strength. We draw on his courage. We storm the enemy strongholds. We go house to house trying to rescue those who need it. We go way behind the enemy lines to rescue anyone we can. Despite our fears and our inadequacies, we do the stuff of heroes. Because when you follow a hero, you tend to do heroic things. Now... Do you think I'm exaggerating? Hmm. Well, here's what Jesus told us right before he left earth physically. This is what Jesus said. He says, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive power, and you are going to receive power, and you're going to receive power, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, which he has done if you're a Jesus follower. And you're going to be my witnesses And you're going to tell people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Do you have any idea how incredibly important that mission is? Now, this is going to sound weird, maybe even mean-spirited. I don't mean it so. But I wish I could arrange for every one of you guys to spend a day in hell. Maybe just a day at hell's gate would be enough, just so that you could watch the faces of those who are entering. You'll see faces of those that you don't know, and you'll see faces of those you do know. You'll see faces of those you don't like. You'll see faces of those you do like, because some of them are going to be headed there too. <coughs> you'll see neighbors, colleagues, friends. You may even see family members. Just to remember what's at stake in all of this. There's a tiny little book at the end of our New Testament written by a guy named Jude. He he, he calls himself a servant of Jesus and a brother of James. Now, best we can tell, both James and Jude were Jesus' human brothers, but neither one of them would call themselves his brothers. They would call themselves his servants, which is really cool. Jude wrote some extremely powerful words. He says, you must, you have to show mercy to those who faith in Jesus is wavering, and you must, you have to rescue others. You've got to rescue them by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Your job is to snatch them from the fires of hell, he says. It's huge. Your job is to storm the enemy lines. Your job is to fight from house to house if you have to. Your job is to do anything short of sin to rescue them from the flames of judgment. And I'm telling you guys, as a Jesus follower, there is nothing, nothing, nothing more important that God has called you to do. Why would we do that? Why would we care? Let me start here. Is there anyone that you would die for? face name come to mind is there anybody that you would die for is there anyone that you love so selflessly that you take a bullet form i hope so it's what heroes do and if you're not sure that there is anybody that you die for how sad is that because if you're only living for yourself you're living for too little and you're never going to be satisfied now let me ratchet the question way up way way harder Is there anybody that you would go to hell for? Anybody that you'd go to hell for? I know it's an impossibly difficult question, but I also know of two who would answer yes. One of those was Jesus. Max Lucado put it like this. It's an amazing line. It's an amazing truth. Lucado said, Jesus would rather go to hell for you than go to heaven without you. Is there anyone, husband or a wife, a kid, parent, friend, anybody that you would go to hell for? Is there anybody that you would spend eternity separated from God for if that would help them connect to God for an eternity? So here it is. Here's one of the most provocative, profound statements in all of the Bible. It's got to be one of the top five passages in the Bible that grip my mind and my heart apostle Paul this is the same Paul who used to hate Jesus he used to hate Jesus followers and here's what he says he says with Christ as my witness I speak with utter truthfulness my conscience and my Holy Spirit are confirming it in other words he's saying something like this I swear to you guys I'm going to tell you the truth I swear it's the truth cross my heart hope to die stick a needle in my eye this is the absolute truth Now, if I had to open up something like that, if a conversation with words like this, you know that what I'm about to say next is gonna be a whopper, right? Here's what he says. He says, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending unending grief, not for myself or my Jesus followers who are suffering so much persecution, but for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters who hate me. Who absolutely hate me in fact he says and here it is I would be willing to be forever cursed forever cursed by God I would be willing to be cut off from Christ forever if that would save them these Jewish brothers and sisters of mine who hate me do you believe him you think he's telling you the truth it's incredibly for my heart and my mind to get around a love that big, that selfless, that fierce. Talk about love your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Talk about love your neighbors yourself. Or as Jesus put it, I want you to love them the same way that I have loved you. Have you ever felt an inkling of a love that big for anybody? Hope so. And if you have, then you understand it when I tell you that you've got no mission more important than to bring that person face to face with God. So, let's go back. And let's look carefully at the scene where Jesus gives us our mission in life. Acts chapter 1. This is written by a guy named Luke. This is the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke is part one of the Jesus story. The book of Acts is part two of the Jesus story. He says, in the first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. The first book is the book of Luke, right? That book, he told about what he began to do. And in the book of Acts, even though Jesus is heaven, he continues to work through his church. Then Luke says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles, more than once from time to time, proving to them in many ways that he actually was alive. And that is so important. You know why? Because if Jesus died, was buried, and stayed dead, we're idiots to be here this morning. Right? On the other hand, if Jesus died, was buried, and then walked out of his tomb, we'd be idiots not to be here this morning. So Jesus didn't just pop in once to say goodbye. He kept showing up physically for weeks to prove to them beyond a shadow of a doubt that he really was the Son of God and he really could save the world. Big verse. And then Luke says this. He says, once when Jesus was eating with them, he's no ghost, he commands them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John the Baptist baptized with water In a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you read between the lines a little bit, here's what Jesus is saying. He says, I've got a mission for you. And without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get this mission done. With the Holy Spirit, they can't stop you. They can't stop you. Now, how do I know that that's what he's saying? Because three verses later, Jesus says it again so clearly that this time you can't miss it. Here's what he says. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to tell people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Which means, if you read between the lines just a little... You don't have to be that strong. You don't have to be that smart. You don't have to be that eloquent to tell people about Jesus. It means you don't have to be a master of strategy. It means you don't have to be called into ministry. You'll be my witnesses, Jesus says. And God's Holy Spirit's going to be there to make sure you get it done right. In fact, he's going to be the one doing the convincing. He's going to be the one doing the convicting. He's going to be the one doing the transforming. Your job is just to set up the introduction going to be my witnesses when he says you're going to be witnesses we need to talk about what that really means in fact maybe we ought to think about what Jesus doesn't say Jesus doesn't say you're going to be my defense attorneys (laughs) that's what a lot of Jesus followers are afraid of what if that person asked me some questions about the Bible that I can't answer what if they asked me some kind of a theological question I don't have an answer for right I don't know enough I don't have enough training to make a case for following Jesus? Well, Jesus didn't ask you to be his defense attorneys. He said, you'll be my witnesses. What does a witness do? Just point him to Jesus. Just tell him who he was and tell him what he's done for you. Has the Holy Spirit done anything for you? Has Jesus? Tell him that. Spirit will do the convicting. And Jesus doesn't say, you're going to be my prayer advisors. This is what a lot of Jesus followers try to do. They pray to God, God, I need you to work on my kid. I need you to work on my friend. I need you to work on my colleague. I need you to send someone to to try to reach my grandson or my granddaughter. God, I need you to soften her heart so someone can get through to her. God, I need you to rattle his cage so he's going to finally turn towards you. As if, (laughs) as if God needs our advice. As if God isn't already doing everything doable to turn around that person that you care about. Guys, there is nobody, there is nobody that you love that God doesn't love more. There is nobody that you want to come face to face with Jesus that God isn't always trying to draw towards Him. He says, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to make the introduction, to tell Him who I am and what I've done for you. You realize how much that honors us? And Jesus doesn't say, You're going to be my recruiters, you're going to be my cheerleaders, you're going to be my donors. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus wants us to do whatever we can to challenge other Jesus followers to step up. That's what I'm trying to do here this morning. He wants us to recruit other witnesses. And he wants us to get excited about, to cheerlead, to encourage those who are stepping up as witnesses. And he wants us to support them financially. In fact, next week in the budget that you guys are going to be voting on, there's going to be a line item for Cameron Thompson, one of our kids who wants to devote his life to being a witness for Jesus. And that is so cool, and we're going to get to support him. But recruiting others, cheerleading others, donating to others who are getting it done doesn't change the fact that God wants you to be his witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. I want an army of witnesses, he says, who are storming the enemy Strongholds who are going to courageously fight house to house to rescue those who are dying, who are willing to do anything short of sin to snatch them from the fire. You shall be my witnesses. Put simply, I think a witness does two things. A witness to Jesus. He wants us to tell him who he is, and he wants us to tell him what he's done for us. Tell him who he is, the Son of God, and what he's done for us. Holy Spirit's going to do the convicting, the convincing, the transforming. It's not hard, guys. I'm a mess. You're a mess. You know that. For some crazy reason, God loves us messes. It's hard to believe because sometimes we don't love us messes. God sent his own son to take the punishment that we deserve. Three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead. He really did. And if you follow Jesus, he's going to show you a better life in this world, and he's going to lead you to an eternal life in the next. Do you believe that? I do. And if you can't say it, well, the Holy Spirit's there to help you fix what you say. He's good at that. Tell him what he means to you. Tell him the story of your rescue. Tell him the value of a rescued life. Have you ever been amazed by grace? Have you ever pondered what Jesus has done for you? Tell him that. They might push back on the story of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's going to handle that pushback. They can't push back on your story. What does following Jesus mean to you? Because he can make that kind of a difference in their life too. Guys, you don't have to be trained to be a witness. You just have to tell them what you saw. You'll be my witnesses. I'm a grandparent now. I'm a good grandparent. You know, I've never read a manual on how to talk about my grandkids. I'm just good at it, right? You never seen a manual that a sports fan has to read in order to talk about Kentucky basketball? It's obvious when you listen to him, right? We just have to be witnesses. Just tell him who he is. Tell him what he's done for you. Now here's where I might get into a little trouble, maybe even with God. Because there are some people that I wince when they try to witness. There are some Jesus followers I'd rather not be his witnesses. Unfortunately, we are anyway. There are some Jesus followers who go out there as hostile witnesses. There are some Jesus followers who make people lean away from God whenever we start talking. How many of you guys ever wince when you see Westboro Baptist in the news? <laughs> holding up their signs, repent or perish, God hates fags, God hates you, you're going to hell, thank God for 9-11, thank God for dead soldiers. They twist God's truth and they eviscerate God's grace. Don't do that. If you can't speak both truth and grace, if you can't speak God's truth with God's grace, then I'd rather have you hush. You're going to drive people away from Jesus. But it's not just them. There's a whole lot of Jesus followers for whom following Jesus just doesn't mean much. Doesn't make much difference. They're kind of like, I guess I'm a Christian. It's just not a big deal. I'm not a fanatic. Maybe they call themselves Christians, but if you look at them any time other than Sunday morning, perhaps between ten and twelve, you'd never know it. Listen, if you're a Jesus follower, they need to see that it makes a difference beyond just words. You better try to be understanding who He is and what's at stake. He is God, He's the Creator God, He's your Savior, He's your Lord. He died for you so that you could live. He really did. Point them towards that. Show them that doing life with God, for God, God's way is better than any other way to live. Do you believe that? And when you do, when you step up as a witness, it is so cool. Have you ever tried talking to somebody about Jesus? Have you ever tried to be a, a witness? Have you ever tried to nudge someone towards Jesus, and sometimes you're not sure what to say, you're not sure if you're going to say the right things, and it turns out that it's kind of like God almost gives you the words. It's so cool. Or maybe you say something and you think it's all bumbling, and God uses what you say anyway, that is so cool. The Holy Spirit does that stuff. Remember, you just be a witness. Let him do the convicting, the convincing, and the transforming, right? Have you ever baptized anybody? It is cool to baptize someone. Here at Capital City, we don't let the staff hog the baptistry, right? Bible doesn't say that a minister or staff member has to baptize somebody it says Christians baptize people who want to be Christian Jesus followers baptize those who want to be a Jesus follower so we want parents to baptize their kids we want friends to baptize their friends why should preachers get all the fun and it's more than fun sometime go into our connections room if you walk out here and you look to the left there's a connections room it's got marked above the door one wall just has pictures of baptisms here recently here at capital city When you go look at those pictures, start looking at the faces not of those who are being baptized. Start looking at the faces of the baptizers, the people who are doing the baptizing. And you'll see it on their faces. It's a rush. It's a thrill. It's a sacred thrill. Have you ever watched a kid as they started to get it? Started to understand who God is and what he means? Have you ever watched a friend as the light bulbs started going off, or maybe even an enemy, as the power of God started to transform them into something other than an enemy. God lets us be part of that. How cool is that? You shall be my witnesses. You guys, he says. You guys will be his witnesses. Remember, this is the most important job you will ever have on this earth, bar None. The most important thing you can do. And I know we're just a band of misfits. But we're following the Son of God. And despite our fears and our inadequacies, we do the stuff of heroes. We're an army of witnesses. Watch what God can do through us. You'll receive power, Jesus says. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And if you're a Jesus follower, he has. And you have that power available to you. And you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to tell people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem and throughout Judea. In other words, you're going to tell people that you like and people who are like you about Jesus. That's cool. You're going to be my witnesses in Samaria. That one's going to be harder. We're going to deal with that in two weeks. Witnessing to people we don't like. Witnessing to people who don't like us. You're even going to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, people we don't know, people we don't usually care about. For most of us, usually, out of sight, out of mind, right? But they're precious children of God that love will not let us ignore. We're going to talk about that in three weeks. Now, guys, I'm not quite done yet. You're kind of hoping so, but not quite. I've got a little bit of coaching to do. But before I get to that coaching, Steve's going to come up here and he's going to lead us in a song that talks about the heart of why we are witnesses. And then I'm going to step back up here and just for a couple of minutes do some very practical coaching about how we can witness to others right here in this room. Let's stand as we sing. Now for the next month, I'm going to spend just a few minutes coaching at the end of each service. Guys, our mission here at Capital City is not just to take care of our own. Our mission here at Capital City is to grow the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? The problem is every single church, every single church starts to become internally focused. They start drifting towards taking care of their own more than reaching out towards people who are on the outside. We can't let that happen here. And we believe that being an evangelistic church can actually be enhanced by what we do here in these walls on a Sunday morning I'm going to tell you about what that means think of it this way let's pretend it's not exactly true let's say this is God's house and you're God's family now you're God's family but of course God can't be contained in a place like this you ever invite guests to your house you ever have a guest over to your place how do you treat them you think that guests coming here to God's house with us His family should be treated equally well? <laughs> We're family. And, and if you invite a guest into our home here, you have every right to, be, to expect that they're going to have a great experience here on a Sunday morning, right? Let's get practical. It starts with the invite. There's maybe nothing that is easier for us to do to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, to invite someone with you. To church. We're going to try to make it easy for you. Two ways. Here's the first. We work hard. We don't always get it. But we work hard at making every single worship service God-honoring, engaging for Christians who want to engage God, and compelling to those who are our guests. Those are our goals. And we want you to have the confidence that when you invite a guest you're going to come to a worship series that is going to be honoring to God, engaging to Christians who want to engage God, and compelling to our guests. Beyond that, over this next year, we're going to try to offer nine entry events is what we're going to call them, entry events. These are, there are people out there who might resist an invitation to church, but who might come with you to a church activity, something we do outside of a Sunday morning experience some good, clean fun with us. Last week it was Drunk or Treat. We had nearly a thousand kids and their families here in our building on Thursday. That was absolutely incredible. We had a whole lot of families thanking us for what we did for them. Next month it's going to be our Jingle Jam. We're going to have a family worship experience for Christmas called Jingle Jam. It's going to be a lot of different. It's going to be a lot of fun. We hope it's going to be an easy thing for you invite people to especially families with kids and nearly every month we're going to try to have something you can invite people to outside of just a simple worship uh, experience you see you shall be my witnesses can start with an invite and then when our guests come that's when the rest of us get to work the entrance the worship and the exit It starts with the entrance. Did you know that from the time it takes for a guest to get from their car to one of these seats, they've already made a first impression about whether they're going to come back to Capital City? Before Steve starts the first song, before I say the first word, they've already made their pre-decision about whether they're going to come back. You know how they make that decision? One guy made a scale. He actually studied the friendliness of different churches, and he devised a scale, and this was the scale. A smile of welcome is 10 points. A word of greeting is 10 points. Exchanging names is 100 points. Invitation to return is 200 points. An introduction to another member is 1,000 points. An accepted capital city, an invitation to meet the pastor is 2,000 points. Here at capital city, I understand the pastor's grumpy, so you may not want to take your guests to meet them. Over half the churches this guy measured scored less than 100. About a quarter of them scored less than 20 points. We need to knock this one out of the park, guys. A smile of greeting, a greeting, an exchange of names, an invitation to return, introducing them to a friend. Even if you can find a friendly pastor, introduce them to him, right? That's the entrance. That's the welcome. How about the worship? This is so important. You may not have thought about this. Did you know that how you worship, how you engage God in this room, will either draw our guests to God or drive them away from God? We don't just worship for ourselves. We worship for our kids. We worship for our families. We worship for our friends. We worship for our guests. I'm serious. Think of it like this. What if you invited guests to your home, and you just sat over in the corner of the room bored and disinterested, or what if we had got you invited guests into your home and you just sat over there sullen and angry? How's that going to work for your guests? Doesn't that work for us here too? I mean, we've got family members who are inviting guests to worship with us. If they see us bored and disinterested or maybe grumpy and sullen, it's going to nudge them away from God. If they see us trying to engage God in worship, It's going to draw them towards God. How we respond to the worship service, how we respond to God's presence in the room, because He's here, will either draw our guests to God or nudge them away from God. Did you know that? We need to knock it out of the park, guys. That's the entrance. That's the worship. One more. A little coaching on the exit. (laughs) If you have guests in your home, does it matter how they leave? Some of you guys thinking, sooner the better, right? They leave soon. Do you ever just sit there and just let them make their way out of the house, or do you actually get up and thank them for coming, maybe take them to the door, get their coats, maybe walk them to their car? What if the last impression our guests have is just as important as the first impression? What if, what if when the service is over, we don't just get up and leave, ignoring those who are around us? What if we make it a point to ask them to come back, to thank them for coming? What if we used exactly that same scale? What if we smile? Glad you're here. A word of greeting, exchange of names, an invitation to return, an introduction to another member, and if you can find a friendly pastor, invite him to, him, to meet him. One more piece. I'm going to add a piece. What if you invited one of our guests to lunch? Wouldn't that be something? Be amazing, wouldn't it, if every once in a while you invited one of our guests to do lunch with you. And here's the deal. This is so important to us. That if you want, you can bring us the receipt and we'll cover it for you. Now here's the deal, guys. If you take your guest to Jeff Ruby's or Ruth's Chris or Malone's, I'm gonna leave you hanging. Okay? (laughs) But if you want to take a guest to lunch and money's tight, we've got your back. We think it's that big a deal. So make the invite, guys. One of the easiest ways to get started is being a witness. And when our guests come and they're here every single week, let's make a great first impression. Let them experience a great worship service. And when they leave, make sure they know this is a place of grace and truth, a place where they would like to do life with God and God's family. I love you guys, really do. Have a great week, stand tall for God, and be a witness. Thanks for coming.